One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, hello, leavers and believers and heathens and pagans and all kind of people. Welcome back to Leaving Hillsong. My name's Tanya and we are continuing with Pride Month celebrations. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the other special episodes, make sure you do that. You can't imagine what a privilege it is to sit and talk with people at these stages in their lives and talk about some of the hardest, hardest times that they've been through. And it's just so striking how passionate people are to share and to explain and to really bear their soul as such, to try and prevent other people from being harmed. And also just to get these stories out there as part of our history, as part of what happened to all of us collectively, as well as to individuals. I just am continually humbled and grateful for this incredible honour. Now, about seven years ago, I was reading some post on Facebook and I ran into Sarah and she made some incredibly sharp, witty point. And we've been Facebook friends ever since. So when this Pride Month came up, I asked her to join us and She's been a part of the Christian Outreach Centres, which are Australian-based, and I'll leave it up to you to listen to the similarities or the differences and the story of an insignificant gay kid. Oh, and I should add, at the beginning of this podcast, uh, we came to an arrangement, me and the listeners, that it would be a bad language-free publication and so far so good now probably hadn't told Sarah that and I'm you know I'm happy with that so content warning I don't know what do you call them like bad words and I'll put out a clean version as well over the next couple of days so if you know r-rated language is not your thing hang out for a day or two and the same episode will be right with you let us start let us start hello Sarah Hi, Tanya. <laughs> How are you? 
I'm good, thank you. How are you? It's late where you are. Yeah, good, good. It is still in the afternoon. <laughs> you are joining us from where exactly? Like I was thinking like Scotland, I always think of Scotland as like one big town place. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> in comparison to Australia, it kind of is, but um, I'm, I'm from Glasgow in Scotland. Oh. We'll be settling into that. Beautiful accent. Um, yeah. I'm going to try and keep my accent. No, it's a, um, there's no issues here. Sorry. Now I feel like kind of racist or something. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, it's xenophobic if anything, but. <laughs> oh, look. It's a stab at a stab at a stab of irony. Um, I'm lost. I'm lost now. I don't know what's irony and what's We're both not. white, so we can stab at each other. It's fine. <laughs> I was just looking at Facebook before and because for the life of me, I can't remember what comment it was or conversation we were having but you were just so sharp and on point and that was seven years ago we happened upon each other on Facebook yeah and some yeah I I can't even remember how but yeah there was something probably Hillsong related or something yeah yeah and I was like no I want to know more about what she says so here we are again so start us off please how did you wind up in a Pentecostal church and I know bits and pieces of your story. I don't know. So I'll be learning along the way. Sure. Like most people, you're either born into it or you're preyed upon when you're at a vulnerable state. So I was born into Christianity, mm-hmm. into the Baptist church. And then I think, it, yeah, my, my parents, especially my mother, really liked the most culty elements of Christianity they could <laughs> possibly find. After a few different churches, we found ourselves in a very sort of like Hillsong adjacent do you, do you remember Christian Outreach Centre? Because they were mm-hmm. they started in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a church plant from there. You know, like a young couple um, sent out to start a church. Anyway, my parents joined that church. And, and how old uh, are you at this point? When we joined that particular church? Yeah, when you um, start going evangelical. I mean, I think, yeah, I think when we really became quite evangelical Pentecostal, you know, like Fruits of the Spirit and all that stuff mm. would have been... I was probably about 10 or 11, mm-hmm. you know, like around mm-hmm. about the sort of Toronto blessing time. Okay. Um, okay. It's an interesting place to join. The 90s, I yeah. want to say. Yep. Yeah. Sort of post-satanic panic. Can I eat that? <laughs> and what was it like? What did you think? Um, I was terrified of it to begin with, um, to mm. be honest. Mm. I found... I found people falling over in the spirit and speaking in tongues really terrifying. Yeah. And the, and the pressure to... Uh, join in with the group um because I'm quite an introvert really especially when I was a kid um so to begin with I I don't know I partially hated it but partially recognized how much my mother loved it and so uh, you know I wanted to please her and it was it was more exciting than sitting at church and just Mm -hmm. standing up and sitting down and doing hymns but my initial reaction was uh I hated it it was scary really embarrassing Oh, yeah, it had to. Sorry. <laughs> what was the translation like when they brought it over to your own country and culture? I mean, it was very Australianized. Like the pastors, Kevin and Cheryl, they, you know, mentored by a couple of Ruth and Ashley Schmeader, I think they were called, who are Australian. And it was kind of weird because they really? both kind of developed an Australian accent, even though they were both English. But it was just like, <laughs> You know, all the sort of like preaching inflections and oh, it was wonderful. And just like they 
kind of had an Australian accent. It, it was a very small church because it was just literally them planting a church. Um, but they obviously aspired to be everything that Hillsong is. And when I obviously found out about Hillsong and, you know, shout to the Lord being the best song in the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it was just really paralleled. It was very much you could just tell that like uh, this was a really similar setup, you know. How long were you there for? So I was there yeah probably I think we officially joined that church when I was maybe about 13 or 14 before that Mm -hmm. it was all going to like all the charismatic conferences and all that and 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 I stayed there until I was actually 27 although from about age 19 to 27 I was you know always getting into trouble for either being too introverted or questioning (laughs) But I also was in a, I I married an Australian guy, actually, because, well, I wanted to have sex. And the only way you can legally have sex in Christianity Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. to marry someone. And also the only way you can be considered anyone as a woman is to, you know, be with a man of God or whatever. But also it's just like that, that was the culture, wasn't it? Like you're, I mean, I was 19 when I got married, which came back, um, ridiculous and it obviously wasn't a happy situation in the slightest also oh. I was gay but I really <laughs> so, thought that that could cover it up you know I was like if I can get married to a man though no uh, one could guess that I'm a raging homosexual <laughs> so <laughs> one of the Failed. themes of of this month unfortunately <laughs> I mean was he from the church itself he was from a different branch of Christian Outreach Centre from okay. Brighton, where they were actually planted from Australia. Um, his family came over to help plant that or something. He came up to do what was called the School of Ministries, which was okay. like a, a paid for ministry school, which was just a whole load of horseshit in the end. <laughs> um, I mean, as everything, everything was. But uh, also, I, I mean, you'll probably hear this from other people you interview, that you're raised with such low self-esteem that like the minute somebody shows any interest in you you're like oh my god this and and also you're told like oh this must be the one okay so so, so where does that come from where does that idea of the self-esteem come from do you think like how how is a human meant to have any sense of self-esteem when you're born into a situation where if you do anything wrong you're going to hell you're going to be eternally punished for something and especially I think as a woman I mean, who are you? I mean, you read the Bible. Women are just complete chattel, you know. Um, <laughs> where are you meant to grasp a sense of self-esteem when you're not allowed to be yourself in any way, shape, or form? You literally have to conform mm. to this, like, extroverted, you know, all singing, all dancing, speaking in tongues person. And if you're not that, you're basically cajoled into being that, which is psychological damage. So. Yeah. Oh, we, we don't hear from the introverts for fairly obvious reasons, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, that would be the, the nightmare environment. I hadn't thought of that. Especially when you have, when you're not straight or cis, anything other than straight, cis, white person, mm. you, mm. you don't really have a chance, do you? <laughs> like it just seems to snowball. Yeah. Okay, so then how do you, what what happens before 27 to... Yeah, it's one of the questions that I've always had is how do some people get out of it Mm. and and see for me Mm. it was the second I had access to the internet I was like oh fuck knowledge okay Um, you know I was like wow I you know I had access to information because 
you know yourself when you're in church as well it's deliberate that what you watch and listen to and the people you hang around is controlled highly you don't want to learn things that are outside of the doctrine you might have these free thoughts you know that like make you you can believe in science or something like that but i mean and the reason i'm ooing and eyeing is so many people so often the information doesn't do anything for people so I'm you know couldn't agree with you more like since the internet how come people don't see more clearly we had bibles with highlighters and if you wanted to make a point you had to like remember what page it was on and flick back so the thing that led me down the slippery slope to atheism (laughs) was reading the bible and also observing (laughs) all the people around me I was like not only is the bible an absolutely fucking monstrous, violent, misogynistic, um, homophobic sex. Like, it's a Mm. horrible book. You know, you can cherry pick what you want out of it, but most people have not even read it. I've read the Bible two, three times, and it will make an atheist out of anyone if you're willing to actually look at what's actually written. Also, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm an atheist because there's a humongous lack of evidence for any of this but I also found myself collating evidence for the church being such a corrupt institution like because I was young and my parents were leaders in the church because that's you know what they always wanted to be my mother's an artist another story so I got to see I, I was sometimes sitting in on the meetings you know like the pastors talking about how they're gonna you know allocate money to their new iPhones or like I actually got to see it from the inside of how corrupt it was and then oh. when things happened with me and my oh. ex-husband, he, well, long story short, as a sex offender, all the advice that we had there, you know, I was told to just um, just uh, lie back and take it kind of thing from him. Oh. And the reason that he was a sex offender is because I wasn't fucking him enough. Oh. Yeah. Which is a hard thing when you're a gay woman, but still. Uh, Trapped in that environment. Yeah, but all of that, like all together, I was like, how could anyone observe that? and not see that it's the perfect environment for abuse for for theft for it's just I've never seen corruption like it yeah I've just never seen corruption like it so it's it's not only did I have a massive lack of evidence for a god I feel like I have a huge swathe of evidence for the church and every single religious institution like there's not one that's not misogynistic everyone is just like the perfect environment for abuse and then covering the abuse perpetrating the abuse and replicating it again and again and again and I don't like it (laughs) so I was out over all those years like what did it culminate in for you that what went along with the marriage breakdown is that like so how did you actually get out of the marriage I had an affair with a woman and blew it all up at once wow (laughs) basically that and looking back I don't think I would have got out of it any other way I didn't know anyone outside the church and if it wasn't for well no I I went to university and I made some friends who were not Christians and I found that they were much more supportive just in in every single way and much more moral and it it made me feel like actually I might have people that could support me if I did get out of this but yeah (laughs) it was very much accelerated when I had an affair with a woman and basically was like homosexuality and Christianity are mutually exclusive so though I checked out years ago in the church I was just like not I think for maybe six or seven years before I left from about age 20 Mm -hmm. I'd already Mm -hmm. checked out 
but you it's just your lifestyle you do it and I was involved in the band I was involved I mean they keep you involved deliberately you know Mm. had I not been in the band and I was sort of low-key running that for them I wouldn't have had any reason to stay but you just go along with it also my parents were in it also my husband was into it like you didn't have a way out so looking back I'm like I think the sort of almost slamming the self-destruct button was probably the only way that I could get out and if it hadn't been her um it would have been any other woman (laughs) because I I, I just needed out and I needed to be gay (laughs) how did they find out or did you tell them or what happened I told them yeah I basically just told my family yeah I was just like I'm having an affair with a woman um leaving him I mean yeah <laughs> that's about it really you don't seem to hear about women being forced into gay conversion therapy as much oh well <laughs> they do <laughs> oh really is marriage like the gay conversion therapy that proves that oh dude yeah a little bit bear in mind that you don't hear from women because you don't hear from women in general like yeah yeah men are gay but like they're still gay men are still listened to more than women I think it's very different as well because for men obviously they care about men and they want to convert them because men are important whereas women they're happy for you just to be psychologically damaged and just like perform as long as women perform their role no one really gives a fuck what they are because we're just women right what I find is and and other lesbians that I've talked to is um, or queer people or non-binary people is that most Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Most of the psychological damage for me was trying to de-gay myself more okay. than anything. I mean, I, I knew gay men in the church who got, you know, quote-unquote de-gayed by ridiculous things like oh set them up on a date with this woman or or I remember one time this guy they took him to his house and got rid of all his gay clothes whatever the fuck that means <laughs> all the pink shirts are right out you know but for me I I tried to de-gay myself in any way I possibly could and it just was just so psychologically damaging so sort of how many people in your church or your church community and how do you get those kind of messages that you needed to de-gay 
apart from subliminal, like I'm just interested in how and how you kind uh, of attempted the de-gay process on your own. So you, I mean, you get the message from church, don't you, that being gay is not right because yeah. firstly, the Bible says that. Someone's like, eh, we're going to stone gays. It's kind of a clear message. Yeah. But also it's a very homophobic environment. I remember actually the, the preacher, the pastor, Kevin, I've got no problem saying their names, by the way, because I don't care if they I don't care. <laughs> hear this. Like, they should have themselves in as far as I'm concerned. They exactly. Hear exactly. Mm. But I remember him telling this story about how he cast out this gay demon and the gay demon came out and had like a gay voice. And even oh. at the time, I was like, this is so offensive. It's the clearest message that you can ever have that you cannot be gay and be a christian and i feel like nowadays mm. because like you know they've tried to modernize and it's a bit less woke to you know they'll be like oh no we love the gays we love them they come to our church you won't get any position of authority we won't no. affirm that no. but we will put up with your quote-unquote same-sex attraction it's just it's a it's the clear it's a clear message um because the role the you know gender roles are enforced um oh. heterosexuality is enforced just mm. the whole environment is geared against anything other than just like straight cis gender binary yeah classic heterosexual stuff isn't it yeah te- compulsory heterosexuality mm. yeah and then obviously you've got that at home also everyone who you're allowed to interact with is controlled well for me it was I wasn't allowed to hang out with anyone outside the church, anyone outside. It was, you know, it was living in a cult, essentially. And your your whole entire environment is controlled so that you're not allowed any outside influence. And, you know, it's spoken about negatively. You can just tell, you know, especially when you're a kid, you can tell when somebody's speaking about someone gay uh. and slurs and they they just hate on them like it's so overt i mean there's so many other sins that can send you to the lake of fire you know yeah. why this one you know i mean trying to de-gay myself was definitely one of the most psychologically damaging things i've done but in a way it's the least pressing issue with the church yeah 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 being gay, but like the, what about the humongous issue of there not being a god and what about the, the problematic issue of the Bible, which is a, you yeah. know, slavery, rape, sanctioning, like it's a horrible thing, not to mention all the abuse that goes on in the church, you know, and they're meant to have this moral high ground. That's what I find really fucking offensive. I just keep hearing that same kind of thing over and over, like when you were saying your friends outside of the church were way more supportive. It, yeah. It, it just keeps coming up over and over. And I'm, you know, sitting here thinking, hang on. Even, I mean, mm. even when it's not just those kind of really clear ethical issues, it's particularly for women, it's so male. Like, it's, you know, all about yeah. the boy it's, characters. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it, you know, it, you have your your um, sort of, like, tokenistic, you know, like, this week's sermons about the Book of Esther. But there's there's nothing that's not misogynistic about religion, all religions. There's not one that's not completely misogynistic and Christianity's the worst what I mean what do you think made you different do you've got siblings I do I'm the youngest of four and maybe in the past four or five years my my sister who's next to me in age who went through a lot she was a drug addict for 12 years and this was to do with the fact that 
when we were growing up we were very much neglected because my mum just loved Jesus more than her children kind of she went off that way but when the the, the problem was when she came back she came to the church for help and now the help that the church did fucked her up even more because guess what they don't actually have the tools to deal with Mm. real world problems Mm. you know what kind of help was she looking for when you say she came back well she needed to be rehab and it obviously put her back in contact with my mother who is a narcissist and it's really problematic she has deconstructed her faith in the past two three years and I'm really proud of her for that but my other two siblings are just still in the church but they're not in this type of church they're much more like you know like you know middle class easy ozy kind of you know mm. normal christianity for you you can basically still just be a normal person but you go to church it's not like the mad cultish one that my parents took us into which was the one that i'm talking about what do you think made you different from that i mean you quite clearly abandoned the whole concept of <laughs> you know, I mean, you're not going to any church no, not at all. No. So, and I think yeah, you must hear this a lot as well from people, especially if you're born into it. It takes a long time to deconstruct it. You don't just flip a switch. Mm. And you don't, It takes a long, long time because it's so ingrained. But I'm not, I do wonder what, I mean, obviously the fact that I was gay and I'm not asexual. I wanted to be sexually active. That was something that was really rubbed up against Christianity, obviously. But I, I'm really not sure what it is. Yeah, like sometimes I look at my siblings, like my eldest sister, for example. Mm. She's one of, one of the most intelligent people I've met in my life. She's so clever, so rational. Yeah. But then she thinks the world is 6,000 years old and believes this. And I'm, sometimes I'm just like, wow, the cognitive dissonance that people partake in. I think when you are raised to practice a level of gullibility that it requires for you to, to believe in nonsense... It becomes second nature and I see that in people and I had to actively deconstruct it myself. I had to, I had to deconstruct my homophobia. I had to, you know, <laughs> it takes so much time to completely hmm. deconstruct it. And, and I'm sure you'll have spoken to people before that you feel like you've lost 10 years of your life. Um, uh, 20, 40, some people. Yeah, yeah. because you're, you're hidden from information, you're from life experience. Yeah. And not only that, not only are you hidden from information, you're also given a whole bunch of false information. So it's Mm. so difficult to deconstruct it. And when people, you know, look at cults and they're like, oh, I don't know how you could possibly get into that. It's like humans are very malleable, like, and we're pattern seeking creatures. And and also when you're in a group, you know, like I was saying earlier, that pressure to like, go to the altar call and speak mm. in tongues and be an extrovert and you just do eventually have to comply you know if everyone else has fallen over and shaken and pretending like they've got healed then eventually you convince yourself that that's what's happening too and it's easily done but it's it, I think it puts you in a position where you're very susceptible to cognitive dissonance I strongly believe that people get very frustrated trying to convince somebody that you know look at this look at what they've done here or Mm. look at what they've done there and it seems to often be a lot like family where someone can criticize their own family but if anyone else takes a shot at them they'll get very defensive and I've thought that's because the the whole thing's so emotional it's so emotionally based 
you know, oh, especially yeah. even a conversion experience can be so seeped in emotion that you can't then rationalize or argue intellectually with someone. I mean, that's a really good point, and I think but it didn't work for that, you. I mean, you you know, I think that's the nail nail in the head, and in a way, and look at Hillsong. I mean, have you ever seen anything that's more? Mm. emotionally manipulative in mm. your entire life like as a huge construct that basically is entirely based on emotional manipulation and spiritual manipulation but when you get people you know in that crowd mentality and that's why I think so many churches want to be Hillsong you know and have Darlene Sheck songs and everything because it appeals to people's emotion and if you can appeal mm. to their emotion you can fuck with their head if you're not careful you know yeah well and, and you know especially you are, if you are careful to do that yeah and I think they know exactly it, what they're doing it, absolutely that music is weaponized and used I yes. remember even in church them talking about it like this they used to say we have music because it appeals to the soul and through the soul mm-hmm. we can get spirit and it is about like they know I remember them teaching us like how to prophesy, how to, and it's just like it's basically teaching people how to be a spiritual medium. It's the same bullshit. Oh, um, yeah. Really interesting how they almost, and I don't know whether this is because my pastors were just uneducated and just didn't know how overt they were just being like. So here's how to emotionally manipulate people, you know, and pray over them. And if you can't think of a prophetic word, just look around and find an object and be like, oh, oh you know, oh a, oh, a spoon, you know, oh, and then frame it as in like, oh, well, the Lord is just like, you know, the, there's a spoonful of blessings coming, but just you wait, it's going to be a tidal wave of blessings. Like we've all heard this shit before and anyone can I, do I it. I didn't and- know that. Tell me more. I didn't know these little, little magicians. <laughs> this is how you do it. You can, you can fake a prophecy by just finding an object in the room and making up some shit about it. Wow. I sometimes wish I could go into a church and just pretend that I was one of them because I would I can still speak in tongues I could I know exactly everything to do complete performance I, I always used to find it really ironic that speaking in tongues was this you know you had to get prayed for and you had to get anointed and blah 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 and I'm like how come I am a being atheist and I can speak in tongues now what's that about <laughs> Tell me, I still want to know a bit more about what it was like, the Australian impact, the, yeah. in terms of how it impacted the culture of the religion, I'm thinking. I just wonder. Oh. Like, Anzac biscuits? No. But, yeah. <laughs> Free lamingtons every day at church. Um, <laughs> I think it was very, I'm not sure what would be an Australian aspect or not, but it was just, I mean, obviously a lot of the visiting preachers were from Australia because we had that connection to Australia. Okay. So. For us, it was more we were sold. The utopia was Hillsong. The utopia ah. was a mega church where the music was just ah. incredible. And, you know, you were rich, you know, i.e. blessed. And I think it was more to do with power. Like the preach, the pastors yeah. really watched the Hillsong because they looked at like Brian Houston and Bobby Houston and thought, oh, they, they get up on stage and look, everyone loves them. And they just, they must be so anointed to have a church that big. And it's more about power and influence. And it probably Mm -hmm. creeps into the whole Americanized, like, you know, Christian nationalist thing of like thinking, like what Hillsong does, like we should run the whole country. We should run the music awards. We should run this, that and the other. And just basically be a big bumbling, you know, leader because it's just, you know, they want power and ego and control and what do you think 
it is about your culture that something like that kind of a church would appeal to people because again stereotypes but you know I thought just sort of realistic down-to-earth kind of people the Scots and that is a good question because as well and the thing is in comparison to America people see the entirety of Europe as a very secular place and it is in comparison to America but Scotland has quite a history of missionaries and like Pentecostal revivals Uh um it's so much smaller but I honestly think that this stuff is going on in every country it's just some oh it is some countries like America really they let it seep into you know from church to state but it's going on you know it's something that I even with my peers they don't understand that gay conversion therapy is going on right under their nose even in a city like Glasgow which is a very progressive city it's very queer it's very you know uh yeah it's a it's a good city it's a good country to live in if you're you know a minority mm-hmm. but even then it's still going on like right around the corner I think it's just more hidden because people know mm-hmm. that it's extremely cringe because we're more sarcastic's not the word kind of we are quite down to earth yeah I, I think we, f- we we find enthusiasm like Pentecostal church really embarrassing so that's probably why it gets hidden more but it's happening Cringe okay. people are everywhere. I mean, was it happening <laughs> in your church as well? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, you weren't forced into it. No, we didn't have like gay conversion camp or anything like that. It's like the policy was you wouldn't stand up and be like, hey, let's go to gay con- conversion camp. But if someone in church said, I'm struggling with same sex attraction, uh-huh. they would 100% have resources or just make up resources. They'd make up ways to de gay you. Okay. ways that firstly don't work at all because you can't actually de-gay someone but that would just end up being psychologically damaging for them so my way was to never actually properly admit it and just get married instead to pretend I was heterosexual but that did not work out <laughs> now there's loads more to Sarah's story and like this one there'll be two versions coming out over the next couple of days hope you enjoyed part one And before I say keep leaving Hillsong again, I thought I might add that when I say it, I mean financially, psychologically, physically, it's such a huge process, socially, all kinds of ways. If you can do little things to unlearn and to keep leaving, you're doing good. It takes a really long time. We've got loads of ways and strategies and ideas coming up in uh, different content. So keep leaving Hillsong and join us for part two of an insignificant gay kid. Keep being kind to yourselves, kind to each other, and we'll talk then. Bye.
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.